It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, we want to welcome American Shooters as the newest gun shop in San Diego and Gun Owners Radio's newest show sponsor. American Shooters just opened in El Cajon at 1464 Graves Avenue, just off Bradley, exit on 67, right by that chicken shop that's got good chicken. Yeah, Greek chicken. Yeah, and if you're looking for a great gun shop for any of your firearm needs, you need to go visit Mark Halcon. Mark has been in the guns his whole life, and his team is so professional and will help you out, and that's at American Shooters. They have a great selection of new, used, and consigned firearms. That's American Shooter at 1464 Graves Avenue, right off Bradley's exit in El Cajon. All right, Michael, what do we got today? We got all kinds of cool stuff. We're going to talk to John Dillon here in two seconds. He's on the line. He's going to talk about a court case. But let's see. We got like we got a, a whole panel of people here. So let's just go. Go. We got, of course, Joe Jermisi. How's it going, man? Yes, you do. Uh, it's going well. And Dustin, who, do you, who are you from? Dustin with Red, White, and Badass Brew. Nice. There you go. And then, of course, the lovely Desi. How are you? Hello, hello. From uh, Not Me here in San Diego. And then Action oh. Jackson. What's up, man? I'm doing well. Excellent. All right. Okay, so we're going to talk to everybody throughout the show. Uh, it's going to be a, a jam-packed show. But first off, there was a huge court case, or I should say a decision that happened this past week. And we wanted to get – I'll be getting a ton of questions. Um, I don't know if you guys heard. You guys all – you know what I'm talking about, the Duncan case uh, that has to do with the magazines. Everybody hear what happened there? Yep. Okay. So Freedom Week a couple week or a couple years ago allowed everybody to go buy uh, magazines, but then they uh, put a put – a, hold on on that decision and the ninth circuit court of appeals came out and said nope you can't even possess normal capacity magazines if you have a magazine that holds over 10 rounds you're not even allowed to possess it so we wanted to talk to john dillon attorney john dillon second amendment attorney extraordinaire how you doing man hey how's it going guys good fantastic so talk to us about the decision you want to give us a little context first yeah yeah no problem so again uh, this was a court case that challenged California's prohibition on what they call high-capacity magazines, which is anything that holds over 10 rounds. Um, at the district court level, uh, Judge Benitez uh, ruled that you know, the possession ban on high-capacity magazines was unconstitutional. He applied a text history and tradition uh, analysis, which is what type of analysis we got from DCV Heller. And he ruled that it was unconstitutional. Uh, of course, the state wasn't too happy about that, and they appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, in what was a major win at the time, and still considered a major win, uh, we actually, the plaintiffs won again uh, at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in front of a three-judge panel, where they affirmed the district court's uh, decision and said, yeah, you're right, this is an unconstitutional law. 
uh, and people should have the right to have more than 10 rounds in a magazine. And the Court of Appeals, they so, basically said, hey, look, if you look at the Heller decision, then, yeah, this. I mean, they weren't making a personal judgment. They weren't saying, hey, I personally believe. They were saying, yep, according to Heller versus D.C., uh, you can't ban magazines. Right? Is that, I'm, of course, you know, you know, boiling it down to like two sentences. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, yeah I, you, you just paraphrased my paraphrase. <laughs> So yes, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, and uh, but that's basically what what they said, right? Yeah, you, you paraphrased about a 140 page decision right there, but it works. <laughs> uh, it really does, uh, and that's the funny thing about this: this text history and tradition analysis, the one that the the Ninth the District Court used and the Ninth Circuit three judge panel used. That's the one that we got from Heller. This uh, tiered scrutiny uh, balancing test that gets employed uh, in the Ninth Circuit a lot of times and was employed in this en banc decision that we got, This is that's the test that's entirely made up. It, it, there's nothing in Heller uh, that would say this is how you do uh, these types of analysis. This is how Second Amendment uh, cases are determined. That's the funniest part about it. This that, and that's where I was, that's where I was going. is entirely made up. Yeah, that's yeah. where I was going is their decision is just completely out of left field. They just basically said, you know, gee, my, my personal feelings here are that we might want to have a ban on magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. It, it, there was like, it's almost like from a legal perspective, I'm not a, I'm not an attorney and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but you're an attorney. I mean, from a, but from a legal perspective, it's totally ridiculous what they did. I mean, it, it, it's like zero, uh, you know, shaky ground, zero legal perspective. Uh, you know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous, right? Yeah, so what happened yeah. is after that yeah. judge panel came out, the state appealed again, and this time it went in front of the en banc panel, which is the 11-judge panel, and yeah. it came back, uh, 7-4 decision, saying, oh, magically this law is constitutional. And in their decision, it's amazing. And one of the best examples of this, I think, in their you know quote analysis is that they talk about how the fact that the majority of magazines that are sold Today, for the majority of all guns, including self-defense guns, subcompact guns, and compact guns, the fact that most of those magazines are all over 10 rounds doesn't mean that that's what the public wants for their firearms and their self-defense guns. The fact that you know we all buy them doesn't mean that's really what we're looking for in a self-defense firearm, which I just thought was so amazingly ridiculous. Uh, the, that's how we judge. The, it's the consumer market, and it, but, and it doesn't matter. Buying, the other part of it is that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the, with that with that whole thing, I reject the entire premise because it doesn't matter. That doesn't talk about whether or not it's constitutional at all. Whether or not it's popular. Exactly. That's like saying yeah, you know disco is good music because a lot of people listen to it in the seventies. No, it's horrible music. You know, popular opinion yeah. doesn't matter. It's whether or not it's constitutional. And they went way off the rails. Yeah, and that was, that's, I'm using that as an example of to show you just how these judges were thinking about this constitutional question. It wasn't a matter of, hey, well, let's apply the Constitution and let's look at, you know, constitutional Supreme Court precedent uh, and let's apply the law. Uh, it was truly a, well, I just feel this way and uh, yeah. this is how I want to decide. And so objectively, it was a bad decision. I had attorneys call me that do not practice in second amendment law but you know we're friends we know each other who's called me and say hey man i read that decision that's bad but, you know this <laughs> is 
you know, I'm not a gun guy, and I can even read this and say this is a terrible uh, take on this. Okay, so we so it wasn't we, happy. We have like two more minutes. Well, I, what, uh, the, yeah. what we really want to get to is what happens now. Everybody yeah, what's did, next? Yeah, every, well, not do uh, we're, not the Supreme Court. We're we're gonna go try to get to get it to the Supreme Court. But what we need to know is people who have a magazine that holds more than ten rounds. They 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 hold they have that in their possession right now. Is it illegal right now, or what can they do? You know, tell us tell right. us what folks need to do. So here's a very short version. Right now, it's still legal to possess. Okay, but the Supreme or the Ninth Circuit is remanding the case back down to the district court to issue uh, you know a new decision, basically. Uh, and with that will come a mandate from the Ninth Circuit. Once that comes out, then the district court is going to have to change their decision. And at that point, uh, you know, it'll be illegal to possess high-capacity magazines. So we're going to— No matter if what. You if you bought them, alert, if bought you them in Freedom Week, it doesn't matter yeah, when you bought them. If you matter. bought them during Freedom Week, if you bought them prior to Freedom Week— if you words, There's them, no grandfather. There's no grandfather uh, clause. It's, it's, it's uh, what, 30, 60 days from now when the, when the court— uh, issues its mandate, then boom. If you possess magazines that hold more than 10 rounds in California, you're potentially a felon, right? Yeah, so overnight it can change. So anyone who bought a high-capacity magazine during three weeks, anyone who legally owned a high-capacity magazine before you know this new law went into effect banning possession, you need to pay attention and stay up to date on, on you know what this court's doing and you know when this mandate goes out. And when the new decision comes out and is finalized, because it quite literally can, it, it can, if it goes the worst way overnight, you can all have illegal contraband, basically. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're staying Ra on top. Raise of your hand if you're about day. to be a felon. Hey, is the city, is the city uh, going to buy them back? Hey, John, is the city going <laughs> to buy them back? No, I'll tell you this. Uh, so without saying too much, I worked with a, a number of, uh, magazine manufacturers and distributors during Freedom Week, uh, you know, letting them know what was legal, what wasn't. There were so many magazines sold; it is amazing. So <laughs> this is going to affect millions. Uh, it really is. Well, keep defunding the police, and that way yeah. you're, you'll be able to hang on to them anyway. I guess that's one benefit. <laughs> Thanks, John. You're the best, right, buddy. Awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but before we go. Next, the theme for December is mental health. And we have Ashley Liebinski from the Cody Firearms Museum. So do not touch that dial. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. So Ashley Lebinski, one of the uh, America's foremost authorities on firearm history, is on next to talk about mental health. But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there is no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you. 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Listeners get a free T-shirt when you go use their code GUNOWNERSRADIO. So sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. 
So our next guest is Ashley Lubinsky, and I know her from uh, from our court case where we're a, we're a plaintiff, and she was a uh, um, this was our uh, assault weapon ban court case, and she was an expert witness and did an awesome job, and uh, got to sit down and have a, a hamburger with her and during the, during the court case, and found out just how impressive she is and how what an expert she is. Ashley, how you doing? I'm doing really good. How are you guys? Fantastic. So uh, you are, tell people a little bit about who you are and, and, and where your expertise comes from. Yeah, so that's always a very complicated question. But um, my, uh, I, I heard you guys say that Ashley of the Cody Firearms Museum, but that's formerly Cody Firearms Museum. Uh, for, for those who don't know me, I'm a firearms historian. I spent the last 10 years running the Cody Firearms Museum, which is one of the largest gun museums in the country. Uh, I rebuilt it while I was there. We did a $12 million renovation, and now I do a little bit of everything with firearms history. So I'm rebuilding a couple of museums right now with major gun collections. I do extra witness testimony, as you just pointed out. I do a lot of writing. I do some TV. I produce a couple of TV shows. So essentially, if it's firearms and history related, I probably have a hand in it somewhere. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so the Cody Firearms Museum, that's in Cody, Wyoming, right? Correct. So talk about, if you could, just talk a little bit about, because I, th- I, th- I thought that was, that's like the mecca for firearms museums. Is there, is there, one, is there one bigger, better? Oh, that's a good question. In the United States, there is a bigger collection, of, a public collection. There's a lot of bigger private collections. But a bigger public collection in Claremore, Oklahoma, the J.M. Davis Museum. But it's not as renovated of a museum, but the collection I know, I think it's around 20,000 maybe, and we're around 7,000. I might be wrong on my numbers. It's been many years. But then the NRA Museum, the Cody, and the Smithsonian all have about the same number of firearms within their collection. Cody's the only accredited firearms museum in the United States. I didn't know. So the Smithsonian has a firearms museum or a firearms branch of their... uh, their... I had to be very careful the way I phrase that. Uh, They have a firearms collection. So I, I worked there for three years. Um, and they've only, the unfortunate part about it, and years ago when I was there, they actually wanted to do more with the firearms collection. But they do have 7,000 firearms, but unfortunately only about 200 of them are on display throughout all of the Smithsonian Museum. Are, are, I know the Smithsonian from uh, the D.C. area. Is that where, is that where yeah, all, this yeah, all is? Yeah, the Smithsonian Network. The gun collection is in the National Museum of American History. I didn't know that. I've been there a bunch. Yeah. I've been there a bunch. My, uh, my, my parents lived... Uh, my dad was stationed in, in D.C. for a long time. I used to go there. Used to go to the Smithsonian's all the time. I didn't know that they had a, a firearm section, but it's so easy to. I mean, there's so much going well, on with the it's Smithsonian. Not, it's not on display. They've got the firearms. Oh. So there's the collection, and then there's um, the firearms are on display throughout the museum. All right, I feel so better. So there's like a, without getting yeah, you're right, right without getting too into the weeds about museum stuff. Um, a lot of museums have moved more towards immersive experiences, educational experiences. So instead of having a museum or a gallery that's dedicated to one type of artifact, you get them kind of interspersed throughout. And in a lot of museum cases, you get a lot fewer artifacts and a lot more interpretive elements. That's interesting. So that's I think it's served, but I wanted people to understand just how big and, and awesome the, the Cody Firearms Museum is. I mean, it, like I said, in, in my opinion, it's the firearms museum in the United States, and you were such a a big part of making them uh, successful. How, how did that happen? How did you go to work for the Cody Firearms Museum? So the Cody Firearms Museum, and like I said, it's a large collection. It has around 7,000 firearms, and it spans 700 years of history. So they've got about 30,000 artifacts and then 7,000 individual firearms. But um, that museum collection is actually a Smithsonian affiliate. 
which really doesn't mean a ton. It's just like a cool little logo that you get to put on your website. But it meant a lot to me when I was at the Smithsonian. I was actually able to um, meet with the curator at the time of Cody while I was still in my first summer with the Smithsonian. And then after I met him, I went back out and I worked with the Smithsonian spring fall while I finished undergraduate and graduate school and then worked for Cody uh, summer winter because uh, University of Delaware, where I went, had a six week winter session. So I was able to work uh, twice a year in Cody before I moved there full time. And was firearms was just that was just something you were interested in growing up or what, what, what sparked your interest in firearms? Uh, not at all, actually. I'm from Pittsburgh, so a lot of people assume that I grew up around firearms because it's a it's very much a part of the culture of Western Pennsylvania. But I actually spent my whole life wanting to be a doctor. Um, I spent my childhood in and out of the hospital for a while. I had over 10 orthopedic surgeries. Mm. And so my whole life, I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, I got into college at Delaware. And within my first semester, I had shifted my major to history because I was interested in the history of battlefield medicine. And my mom, who is a physics teacher, told me that I better have a job when I graduated, <laughs> uh, which is not always something that happens in <laughs> history majors. Um, so after you that, can't I can't just I, go I down to the history factory and uh, pull a lever and create. No, yeah, that's okay. And, yeah. and, you know, you don't even know if you if you want to at some point because you're not you're not going to be rich if you want to be a museum professional. But uh, yeah, I, I switched my major to history. I studied ballistics and battlefield medicine initially, and then I got a, an internship at a military museum where I'm from in Pittsburgh. And during that internship, I had to handle and identify and also identify what was modified on about 200 different guns uh, from mostly the Civil War period. And I was 18 and I had never held a gun before in my life. So it was a trial by fire, I guess. And I just got hooked during that internship. And so I shifted my focus to firearms specifically. Wow. Okay. So, so you're, I mean, you're not just an enthusiast. I mean, you're, you're a a nationally known, probably internationally known uh, uh, expert when it comes to firearms and it's turned into a personal interest of yours, and like I said, you and I met. I don't know if you remember me, but you and I met uh, when you were uh, testifying in front of Judge Benitez in the uh, the Miller case, the assault weapons case, and you just did an outstanding job. It was uh, I, I can't even explain. I wish people could see your testimony because you, you just did an outstanding job. Such a professional, so well spoken, and so knowledgeable. Now um, she should be a lawyer. Yeah, well, oh, no. <laughs> I think she's too smart I, I, for that. I, I, I threaten it periodically, and my husband's like, no, you make money now. You don't have to pay for law school. <laughs> so tell us why is it, and we, I wanted to set all this up. I wanted to talk about your background and who you are and set all this up, uh, but that's not really what we have you on to talk about. We have you uh, here to talk about mental health and, 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 and firearms. So why is mental health an important topic for you? Well, it's, it's personal to me. Um, I, well, from a lot of my adult life, I had thought that I suffered from depression and I had had some therapists when I was in Cody who had diagnosed me with that, but I hadn't actually gotten medicated for it until I moved to Arizona. I was on a antidepressant called Cymbalta for pain. Uh, like I said, medical disaster. Um, and so when I found a psychiatrist in Arizona, they actually upped my dosage of Cymbalta, which is used for both. And I had a very adverse reaction to increasing the antidepressant. And it 
it ultimately, uh, it was determined that I have what's called bipolar 2 disorder. And if you are someone who has bipolar 2, it basically masks uh, major depression because there is no mania in bipolar 2. Like people think with traditional bipolar 1, you just have what's called hypomania. So most people just think you're incredibly passionate um, or, you know, really interested in something. And so because of that, most people with bipolar 2 get diagnosed with depression. But what happens is, is if you have bipolar 2 and you get, dep- or you get antidepressants, it basically is a, is a train wreck in your brain. Um, and it causes you to have all kinds of issues and fall out from it. And so as a result of that, I learned that I had something that I never knew I had. And so I kind of spent the past year, actually, I was diagnosed last November, right around Thanksgiving. It spent the past year kind of trying to figure it out in my own head and what that meant for me personally, but then also communicating it with, you know, the gun community, because you do hear a lot of kind of good and bad things within the gun community about mental health. And so I wanted to understanding it, stand it from my end. And then I also wanted to see if there was a way that I could help being a public figure within the gun community. Uh, because one of the hardest things you have to deal with when you get a mental health diagnosis, like having bipolar two, is you have to realize that you're the same person you were before it. Um, and the diagnosis means that you can now handle it and mitigate it better. But, you know, you, you certainly kind of go through a, a dark patch where you don't really think that you're, you're, I don't know how to phrase it. I, I'm new to talking about it, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, you go through a dark patch of, you know, this is what's wrong with me and not that, you know, this disorder I have is something that has helped to make me very successful. I just not need to know how to manage it in order to live a happy and healthy life. Well, it's interesting that you were already on an anti-depression uh, medication for for to alleviate pain, and and I guess that was just kind of a coincidence. And they said, "Well, gee, you know, you're dealing with this pain issue. You're already taking this for pain. Why don't we just up it and it'll hopefully what you know two birds with one stone? Is that is that kind of the thinking?" Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's interesting. When I was younger, when I was like 18, uh, one of my pain management doctors, I've got arthritis and all kinds of stuff, uh, but one of my pain management doctors wanted to put me on it's a Cymbalta uh, for pain back when I was 18, and I actually refused it because it was an antidepressant. And I, I had told my mom at the time, this is so weird, I had told my mom at the time, you know, I'm like, they always say that in the, you know, 18 to 25 age range on Cymbalta or some antidepressants, but there's like a tiny percentage of people who are on antidepressants where it goes terribly. Mm. And I was like, I feel like that's me. I had no idea why. I just was like, I feel like this is a bad choice for me. So I didn't go on it. I went on a different medication um, that didn't ultimately work either. But uh, when I was 18, and so then when my doctor, my rheumatologist recommended it, um, when I was still in Wyoming towards, towards the end of my time in Wyoming, I gave it a shot and at a low dose, it really wasn't bad. It did help with the pain. Um, but because, you know, I had the, the depression diagnosis, they figured it could do both. And instead it, uh, did neither, it did neither. <laughs> at a certain point. Okay. Stay, stay with us. We're going to go do a little commercial here and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about this. All right, folks, you're listening to gun owners radio FM 961 AM 1170. The, the answer. answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Well, selling your home feels overwhelming. Well, hey, it doesn't have to be that way with Scott Vinson from Coldwall Banker Royal Realty. Scott Vinson is the perfect guy to help you sell or buy your home. 
Scott has also been a San Diego County gun owner board member from the start. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vincent help you sell your home and find your new home anywhere in the United States. Call him today at 619-948-2459. Tell him you heard about it on Gun Owners Radio. Call Scott at 619-948-2459 or online at scottvinson.com. So we're talking to Ashley Lubinsky, and we just were talking about what an expert uh, she is when it comes to firearms. She worked for the Cody Firearms Museum. She's an expert witness. Um, she's not just an expert, but she's also personally interested in firearms and, uh, uh, was, was diagnosed, um, with a, how do you describe it, Ashley? You, you said you were diagnosed with. Uh, it's called bipolar two. So it's a variation on what's bipolar one, which is what people think is traditional bipolar. Um, bipolar two doesn't have mania, it's mu- but it has a much stronger depression component to it. So what is the, if you, I don't want to get too far down into the weeds but what's what's the if it if it doesn't have the the manic part of it and it just has the depression part of it what's the difference between bipolar 2 and just depression so people with bipolar 2 have uh what's called hypomania and that is uh, it's a lesser version there's no delusion there there's none of that that gets associated with uh, when you have full-blown mania you're usually end up hospitalized um, because of the delusion component that comes in with it. With hypomania, you just get really interested in things, mm. um, and you get a lot of energy. I'm sure it manifests. I'm no doctor. I can just speak to how it manifests yeah. for me. And so it's, 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 people always call me the Energizer Bunny, and that's kind of a good description of it when you see me at trade shows. And a lot of the times, you know, I'm talking very fast, and I'm you know very organized, and I've got all these ideas. And you, know, you stay up all night trying to kind of – enact all of your plans um that's hypomania so it gets uh, a lot of people actually have hypomania that don't have bipolar um there's a book my husband bought me that's called the hypomanic how a little bit of crazy leads to great success Uh, (laughs) very nice of him uh but the there's a lot of ceos of fortune 500 companies that have hypomania but they don't have the coinciding depression and so it's just something that gives you a lot of energy a lot of focus um, and for me, I'm fortunate enough that it, it translates into all of the work that I do. Um, you know, I know a lot of people do aren't able to do that, but I'm very fortunate with that. And so normally it's just overly enthousi- enthusiastic is how a lot of people kind of perceive it. And that's why it goes undiagnosed because it's not super noticeable unless you point it out. So once you were diagnosed, uh, it sounds like you were, you, were, uh, you know, living with the condition, dealing with it. And then you were diagnosed and, you know, you were already taking medication, but then they, they, it sounds like they, uh, you know, uh, changed up the medication a little bit or at least the dosage. How, after this was diagnosed and you realized, okay, this is what's going on. How did that, that must've been scary considering your career. Were you afraid for your, for your career? Not my career per se, uh, mainly just because I always consider myself to be tangential to the firearms industry. You know, I'm, I'm a historian. Um, so, yes, you know, I work with firearms and I work with firearms collections, but I wasn't incredibly concerned uh, about my academic standing per se. But I think the, the biggest frustration that I had was just kind of the way that we categorize people with mental illness. So, for example, uh, when I was an expert on the assault weapons case, you know, I would post like history snippets 
um, about certain features within, you know, that were classified, quote unquote, as assault weapons under the California, uh, under the California ban. And so I would make these historical posts and I would have two or three times a post. People would come in and be like, you know, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for the work that you do to help the Second Amendment. If we could just keep guns out of the hands of crazy people, that'd be great. Mm. <laughs> and and that was after my, you know, my diagnosis. And so I, you know, I just heard a lot of that. And I certainly understand the sentiment where people are coming from. Yeah. But there was a lot of that. And then finally, I got fed up because I heard a USCCA commercial on the radio um, in Phoenix. And it was basically they said the word crazy, like. 15 times in 30 seconds they're like you know this person's crazy and you don't want a crazy person it was just it was so over the top and i looked at my husband i'm like yeah i got pretty thick skin but that's kind of hurtful um and so i had already been introduced to uh walk the talk america before that but they did not know about my diagnosis and so after i heard that that commercial i kind of typed them up an email and asked if I could talk a little bit more um, about myself and what I was going through. And so I actually did their podcast and came out, I guess, of sorts. And so I was fortunate that I wasn't concerned about my career as much as I just, it made me sad the way that we casually talk about things that people are internally struggling with and knowing that it does have very real concerns and ramifications for other people within our industry. So the phrasing obviously could be a lot better. Um, and I, I that's a, you know, that's a really interesting point and I hadn't really thought about it, but I mean, even our organization says that, Hey, we, uh, we defend the rights of the sane trained and law abiding. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that that's the right way to phrase it, but Beyond uh, terminology, what are we getting wrong as far as policy? What, what, what should be or could be better when it comes to you know, public policy, firearms, and, and mental health? Uh, now, I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert in that, although I am joining the board of Walk the Talk America. And I know if you look up any of Michael Sabini's um, videos on it, they talk a lot about the extreme risk protection orders because that does have a lot of impact on people who have mental health diagnoses. From my perspective, just kind of over the years before I even knew that I had a mood disorder, I did attend a symposia on mental health and firearms just out of an area of interest uh, because part of my academic area of study is how the brain perceives things and how the brain remembers and then how that impacts our understanding of firearms and culture and throughout history. So I had a little bit of that before. Um, and I went to a symposium specifically when I was in undergrad in Delaware, and they talked about how it, it's similar to you know all gun laws, how there's people just don't understand the policies that are in place. And then also how easily it can be for there to be unintended consequences. And the person that was speaking there uh, was talking about a couple of bills that were being proposed in Delaware about 10 years ago. Um, and one, how the fact that when you hear somebody that has a mental health issue, the assumption is that they're you know, going to be violent, especially mood disorders like schizophrenia. Um, and the reality is, is that mental health is as wide a spectrum as there are firearms. You know? And so when you start trying to label people, you know, in black and white, like gun owners hate, you know, when people label gun owners and guns that we own in black and white, you know, we almost in the gun community often paint people with mental health issues in black and white, and, and pretty much everyone does. And so understanding that there's a spectrum here and acknowledging that suicide is a really major issue within our community is important. But I think just kind of from the people trying to understand the laws is realize that as much as we can sit here and talk about the assault weapons ban or the magazine ban and how 
you know, utterly confusing that is to us, it's also utterly confusing for a lot of people on the other side who are dealing with medical issues, disability issues, who are perfectly capable of owning firearms, but might be, you know, subject to a lot of the laws that are going into place for various reasons. So how do we, how do we, maybe this is, uh, maybe this is above both of our pay grades, but how do we, uh, um, how where do we draw that line? Like what what can you say about uh, advice on on where that line is drawn? Like how do we determine if somebody is, you know, uh, ha- maybe has too much of a, a mental crisis going on to to own a firearm and someone that you know you know isn't like how do you how, how do we determine that? What, what what kind of advice do you have or what are your thoughts on that? Well, my my gut would say that we don't get to determine <laughs> that uh, you know about people, but. Um, you know, I think that the how, well, then that maybe are, more accurately, how <laughs> does it get determined? If like you know, if like what you know, that's a, I mean, that's a great question. I honestly, you know, I know for my own you know personal mental health, it, it is insulting when you hear people say that those who have mental health concerns should not firearms because I'm perfectly capable of owning them and having them safe. You're right. I mean, there are, are a lot of concerns there, and that is, you know, two-thirds of firearm deaths are by suicide. And so it's a difficult line, and I'm going to be honest, I don't have it. Um, I would love to, I'm, you know, my work with Walk the Talk, I hope that we can start to try to kind of create concepts and ideas, and I'm sure that they both, the, the two guys that run it both, you know, have really great ideas behind that. But as of right now, the laws that are in place are usually – uh, that what the 4473 says somebody that's been committed or involuntarily committed to a mental health organization or institution. Um, and I, and I was reading the state laws before I came on here and some are involuntary, some are adjudicated, uh, with a mental health crisis in the court system. Um, so those are the things that are put in right now. Um, and then some of them have like a five year time frame of after five years, then, you know, if you are, you know, doing better uh, health-wise that you can, you know, acquire your firearms again. Um, but those are just things that are on the books. And to be perfectly honest, I, you know, I know history. I don't know today. So well, I'd I like I, to you know, know I can totally see work and whether they work. Yeah, I mean, I can totally say, I mean, I, I, if we're honest, I think it's fair to say that gun owners are, are, are afraid sometimes of, of uh, you know, all the infringements, all these laws. I mean, we just had an attorney on talking about how we're most of the room here. We're going to become felons once they, uh, once the ruling uh, goes into place, uh, banning the possession of normal capacity magazines. And, and I think it's probably easy and tempting to just just kind of scuttle the entire uh, you know issue, and or I should say, people that have any kind of mental health concerns or issues. And just say, hey, that's not me. You know, throw them out. Okay, you guys don't get guns, or blame it all on them. Yeah, I could see how that'd be extremely easy. But what do you want people to know? We we have like two more minutes. What do you want people to know about uh, firearms owners and people with with mental health concerns? Like, how, if you could kind of paraphrase it, uh, what would you uh, what would you say? What What do you want to make sure our listeners know? Well, I think what I would love for the listeners to know um, is not so much what people should know about you know, those who have mental health and firearms, but for people that do have mental health issues and firearms to know that they're not alone. Um, There's a big concern out there about firearms being taken away um, if you have depression or anxiety, and it's very isolating um, Mm. to feel like, you know, you are aware of your capabilities, you're aware of your limits within, you know, your disorders, but then you feel like there's no one else out there and that they don't get to talk about it because you're afraid to talk about it. Um, when I came out um, on the podcast and I made a post on my, on my social media, I, uh, I had 
a handful of DMs really quickly um, and some other text messages from people who are prominent figures within the gun community, the gun industry, tell me that they had bipolar too or that they had other things um, that they were dealing with uh, that I had no idea. I knew them very, very well and I had no idea, but that they're afraid to say anything. And I think, you know, letting those people know that they're not alone and then hopefully someday being able to provide an outlet so that we can have a much more productive dialogue on it, because I think the firearms community has actually done a lot of really good work um, on suicide prevention, what NSSF does, you know, a lot of the veterans organizations. And so, you know, that conversation's already there. And we just need to find a way to bring everybody in and feel like they can have that conversation in a safe way so that we can keep people safe and healthy and protected, but then also not alienate them and make them feel like they don't have a community anymore. That's cool. Ashley, you should have your own radio show. I know, right? She's really interesting. (laughs) I'm serious, girl. You know who's jealous that I get to interview her is uh, my nephew, Sam. He's a big Uh, fan of yours. I have a nephew that's a huge fan of yours, Ashley. You should should send her her this show because when you hear Sam at the end of the show, we try to stump him. Yeah. With, uh, with gun uh, trivia. Gun trivia. I'm telling you, girl, he will curl your hair. And how old is he? 20? 20. He just turned 22. Tur- just turned 22. Oh, and he's, awesome. He is an encyclopedia. Yeah. Or if you're not doing anything, you can get on a computer and listen to us on Facebook. <laughs> there you go. Well, how do people, fo- how do people follow <laughs> yeah, you? Do you have a website or anything? Yeah. Uh, so my, my social media, I, I'm at History and Heels on Instagram. And then I'm just Ashley Lubinsky on Facebook. I always tell people I have a Twitter, but Twitter's toxic, so I don't actually use it. Right. Um, and then I, I do have a website that's theguncode.com, but most people, my, my work is word of mouth. Most people, if you just reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook, uh, I'm pretty easy to find. And then I also have a podcast with the current curator of the Cody Firearms Museum, and that's History Unloaded, and you can find that on all your podcast platforms. Perfect. It's really fun talking to you, so you take care. Have a great week, and i got a sneaky feeling we will be talking to you down the road. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The oh, before I go, Dustin, red, white, and badass brew is in the house, and this place smells like a coffee pot, so you definitely don't want to touch the dial. This is Gun Owners Radio. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. So Dustin Hayes from Red, White, and Badass Brew is in the studio. But first, most companies waste a lot of money on marketing. The reason why is because they don't have a clear message. And you can have a website, you can have your social media, you can have advertising. But if you don't have a clear, easy-to-understand message, you're going to lose customers. Well, SageTree gets it. Since 2005, SageTree has been helping companies with their websites and marketing. Contact them today and learn about their secret sauce to help you and get more ROI. That's return on investment from your marketing dollars. Go to SageTree.com. Tell me you heard it right here on Gun Owners Radio and learn a whole lot more. All right, in studio, Dustin Hayes from Red, White, and Badass Brew. 
Welcome, Dustin. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. How about yourself? Doing great. Thanks for having us, and thanks for coming today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, and thank you for having me on. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Red, White, and Badass Brew? What do you do exactly? So uh, I brew uh, coffee. So I have whole co- whole beans and grounded coffee, and uh, sell them in 12-ounce and 5-pound bags. And I have whole whole different roasts, 10 different roasts right now. I got a couple coming out, uh, new ones coming out next year. Uh, but I'm your local neighborhood caffeine dealer. So did you just wake up one day and want to be a coffee guy, or how did you get into this? I I got into it just kind of by chance. So I, I started brewing myself, or roasting myself, uh, just for me. Most people brew beer. Right. This guy brews coffee. He must have had a bad experience He needs Starbucks. the strong stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Starbucks, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. It's got to be something better than this. <laughs> right. That's an ugly word, you know. Nobody likes it. And you have a Starbucks cup. I, I do have a Starbucks cup here. I'm sorry. I won't you didn't go. give me a cup yet. I'm sorry. I don't go near the place. <laughs> I don't go near it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But so, no. Yeah. So what did get you going on coffee? Uh, well, so I'm, I'm passionate about veterans and helping veterans. Uh, and not only veterans, but our first responders, too. Um, so I uh, was just, I had, I've had about four businesses now. Uh, so I'm not new to owning a business. Entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, I've got about two more I'm going to do after I uh, get this thing up and running. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I just started. I was uh, I had one business. I had some medical issues where I couldn't uh, continue in that business. Uh, well, it, it, not that I couldn't continue, but it was uh, advised that I probably shouldn't. Uh, so I, while I was down, um, I was just Googling and researching and was doing my research because I couldn't do anything else. So uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to jump feet first in this coffee business. And uh, I want to go and give it a give it a swing, and yeah. So I I just did my research while I was down, and uh, I was like, all right, I'm gonna make up a make up a coffee business, and so been doing that for about five six months now, and it's pretty good. It's fun. And Dustin, you're a veteran yourself, correct? I am. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And one of the topics that we wanted to talk to you about today is for people that aren't aware, PTSD and veteran suicide. It's something that's very, very predominant in today's society, correct? That's correct. Can you explain the issue a little bit more to our listeners, please? Uh, well, PTSD, it's the uh, it's an invisible wound. You know, you, you don't, it's not like you're missing an arm or a leg. You don't really see it. You can't see it. Um, and matter of fact, you probably, you pass by people every single day, every day that have PTSD. And this isn't just a military thing either this is first responders anybody can have it right anybody and how far back does it go from the very first war Uh, yeah exactly we had the civil war world war one two but nobody knew what it was they had all different kinds of names for it but nobody really knew right yeah they call it shell shock yeah you know stuff like that yeah exactly and they didn't know and back then people didn't get treated either Mm -mm. uh you don't talk about it even today that stigma still exists you know, um, it's hard to talk about it. It's hard because if you're a police officer, you're in the military, you can lose your job. Right. You know, they can take your job away from you, mm-hmm. and that's your livelihood. You know, so uh, it's it's very difficult. Uh, it's a very difficult process for somebody usually to come out and get help. Um, and, you know, PTSD, you know, coincides with suicide. Right. Um, you know, most, most people are suffering from PTSD, you know, or depression. Um and uh, it's a very, very real thing, you know. Uh, we've, I think, we've all heard it. You know, twenty-two a day. Yep. You know, twenty-two veterans a day. You know, commit suicide. Uh, yeah. So it's a Sad. very, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's uh, you know, we got to bring 
bring this issue out and make sure people are, can get help. Why do you think it's so hard for people to talk about, say, like a mental illness in a sense? Why do you think it's so hard for people to talk about? Um, well, a couple of things. Pride. Yep. Uh, pride is definitely a thing that gets in the way. Uh, or it could be uh, your career. You could lose your career. Right. And failure. And failure, yeah. You're a failure. Yeah. You know, you can't handle life. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and, and I, I know I was in the military as well. When I left the military, I stayed out. I almost went back in. Because, you know, when they get out of the military, people don't realize what military life is. Right. It's probably one of the best lives you'll ever spend in your whole life as far as dealing with people that when you get out, you get treated like you know what. That's part of it as well. Correct. Correct. I mean, when you get out, you know, military does everything for you. Yeah. I mean, they tell you when to eat, sleep, right. and everything else. What to wear. What to wear. Yeah. yeah. Underwear. Yeah. How yeah. to cut your hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get some cool clothes, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you get out, and you're just kind of like, now what? Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's difficult. The transition is hard, and um, a lot of people uh, who do get out have a hard time, well, adjusting. Right. And then finding success after they get out. And know? they won't talk to anybody. No. And they won't talk out. They won't talk to nobody. Because of that pride. Right. Well, the pride and also, you know, losing losing your job, too. Right. Um, and some of them don't even know they have it. Right. Correct. A lot if, of it's undiagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't physically get diagnosed with it, you know, then next thing you know, you're living on Market Street downtown. That's correct. That is 100% correct. Yeah. Um, a lot of homeless, I mean, most of the homeless veterans. Sure. You know, do I've have got that. it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how you do. I mean, it's, you know, we've been at war for 20 years. I guess we're not technically at war anymore. But, you know, you got guys that were doing two, three, four combat tours. You know, someone can get post-traumatic stress syndrome from from getting, you know, mugged. Well, you I know, they, go, they get mugged. That's 30 seconds of their life. And now we're putting guys in right. combat for months, multiple times. I don't know how you do that without getting PTSD. Well, you could get PTSD and no one talks about it from the Vietnam War. Because when we came back from Vietnam, you didn't want anybody to know you were in a uniform because you got spit on, you got called names. I mean, you were treated like the scum of the earth. I mean, am I right? You're 100% right. I mean, I got out in 68. I didn't tell anybody I was in the military till the 90s. Wow. Wow. I'm not going to take, I wasn't going to take it. You know, and I, I figured fine. I just keep it to myself. It was best time of my life. Straighten me out. Let me tell you, but you didn't say anything because man, you never knew who was going to unload on you. And that's another form of PTSD. Correct. Correct. I mean, that, that still is in the workplace now and in oh, the military, yeah. you know, most people don't go and get diagnosed with PTSD uh, while they're in, you know, they, no. they, they cope with it through, you know, drugs, alcohol, um, you know, it's, you know, and then they get out and it even gets elevated or I guess exaggerated yep. because of now they don't have all that. They don't have that, you know, support system None. or those people they're hanging around with and their friends, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, I understand the system, the system's broken. You know, the VA system is broken. Totally. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of support groups out there and some of the best things I think veterans can do or people, anybody who's suffering from PTSD is go find in a group yeah. right. because like-minded people actually right. help you out, I think, a lot better than some of these you know, shrinks. So, Dustin, we can tell you're very passionate about this. So, tell us, <clears throat> we only got a, like a minute left. Like, what is different about your coffee company? How can people help, and where can they find your, your good coffee? 
online. So it's uh, red, white, and badass brew, uh, com. You can find it on there. Um, I am getting it into a couple different stores here coming soon. Uh, so I'll be posting that out on social media. Uh, but the coffee is my vehicle. Um, my mission is helping uh, veterans and first responders that do have uh, PTSD and also with suicide prevention. Awesome. That is amazing. You're going to stick with us, right? Yes, sir. Oh, I thought you were putting your finger up. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Did she see she was trying to take that microphone away from I was going to take your thunder. No, you don't <laughs> want to do that, right? Nope. Tell him, Action Jackson. Tell him you got a dog. Yeah. You just sick that dog on her, drag her outside, and bury her. What do you think? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, nice guy, huh? Thanks, Dave. Think nothing of it. Now it's awkward. <laughs> now it's awkward. Being a responsible gun owner forces you to consider some unpleasant topics. Do you have an emergency plan? PrimeRes.com slash Alpine does. If you're in the military and you're looking for help with a VA loan, or if you're looking to buy, refi, or just considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call at 619-722-1303, or just go to PrimeRes.com slash Alpine. Mr. Jamisi, a bump in the night. Yeah. So, um, nice title. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, all my titles are cool. But, um, yeah, this has been a great week, actually, for, for Joe, the writer. Because um, I noticed uh, yesterday that uh, a real gun writer, John uh, Petrolino, has uh, subscribed to my uh, Get a Grip Substack uh, newsletter. That's which awesome. Is cool. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, so I'm moving along here. So, uh, but I had that. I had a student yesterday in class that, um, is in a paralegal program at Southwestern and uh, was telling me he used one of my articles for um, for a, a project that he had to do in class. So uh, so that was cool. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, they got not, recognized. We're not going to be able to sit with you anymore. No, no, Jeez. this is exploding. Now, I got recognized by uh, Home Depot parking lot Chris from the radio show, <laughs> which was uh, another cool thing. Can I get an autograph? Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah be, uh, and a photo. And... Yeah, how much they, they charge for those, right? They do. Autographs? I think it's a dollar. <laughs> a dollar. Uh, we'll see. You know a guy, so we'll be okay. Um, so, yeah, Bump in the Night is uh, something that uh, we are going to talk about last week. We didn't get around to it, so we'll talk about it this week. But um, 
I was thinking about, you know, we, we talk about this, the home defense guns and things like that. And um, what happens, you know, if something happens at night? And um, there's kind of four areas that I looked at in the article. You know, uh, sometimes a bump in the night is just that. It's just a bump in the night. And um, it's not really a big deal. Uh, I mentioned a friend of mine, actually, that was startled awake uh, one night by, a, um, by the cover of a glass uh, ceiling lamp crashing to the floor. And uh, that's me. That's right. You're famous now, sort of. Your house. So your yeah. story is famous. Yeah. Earthquake. Yeah. No. Uh, it just. It just. I don't know. It just got brittle and crashed. Didn't make I was the payment. Positive. It was, it was somebody breaking in. My wife and I both were positive. It was someone breaking in the an house. An exciting couple of minutes, though. That was. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, sometimes it's just that you know people that have pets, especially cats, uh, have probably been hey, 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 awakened to cats. that kind of stuff. <laughs> Because I have pugs. Pugs are snoring with me, so that's you know we don't have that Way issue. Way too much information. But um, you know you can have that thing. Um, another uh, area for the bump in the night thing is when there is actually a human in the house uh, that's not supposed to be there. Not necessarily a human that's there to hurt you, uh, but maybe a family member. Um, you know this, and this happens unfortunately a couple of times a year around the country. Um, but where you'll have say a, a teenage son or a daughter sneaks out and then they're sneaking back in, there was just something like that in Arizona a few months ago, where you know the the parent, the homeowner, has no idea. And I think this was just uh, I think this was a daughter climbing back in through the window, and ended up getting shot. And um, you know you have from time to time you'll hear uh, you know confused neighbors or drunks uh, wander into the wrong house or the wrong place. So. Lots of different things can happen. And so, again, if you have a plan, which we'll talk about in a minute, the plan, if it includes a firearm, should include a light. You know, it's uh, you're never, you know, one of our universal rules, right? You never want to shoot at uh, a target unless you are absolutely sure of the target and you know exactly what you're shooting at, which at night means a light. So um, so you have that. And then you have the two, you know, more serious one, or I guess that one's a serious one. But uh uh, you have the uh, the burglaries, which, um, you know, burglars are interesting because in this country anyway, about 75% of the burglars or burglaries are considered cold burglaries. So burglars in America uh, go to great lengths to come into empty houses. They don't want to confront people. Most burglaries happen during the day. Um, so they're trying not to run into anybody. Um, it's interesting. In Great Britain, the uh, ratio is exactly the opposite. About 75% of theirs are hot burglaries. Wow. Um, but again, a burglar. Any armed people? Well, they don't. Yeah, I was well, gonna say they yeah, don't have any guns. That's probably one of the reasons. Yeah, and um, you know, again, it's interesting. On that article, I linked to a. Um, I found a video. It's an interview with a real burglar, uh, a guy that finally got caught after twenty years or something out in Texas. And uh, when you listen to this interview, it's it's a police officer uh, interviewing the guy, and the guy a burglar or criminal is the last thing you would think this guy is. His actual is. Uh, his normal job, he was a personal trainer. That's that's what he did for, for real, and then he was a burglar on the side. Um, but he answered a whole bunch of questions, uh, you know, things that how he picks a house to go into, uh, what things might deter him, you know, what he looks for, what he does when he gets in there. And, uh, you know, he says they're pretty much with him. You know, he's in and out in a few minutes, and he's in, and he goes to certain places. He goes to the bedroom because, you know, that's where things are. And uh, it was very interesting to watch that. So, uh, you know, if you read the article, link to that video. It's a, it's a very interesting video. But, again, the guy seems nothing like a criminal. He's, he's kind of a Ted Bundy type where, um, I mean, he's very articulate. Uh, again, he looks like a personal trainer, does not look like a criminal at all. 
Um, and it's a very enlightening thing as to, you know, what you can do to avoid those, those kinds of people. And then probably the last category, the most dangerous one is the home invasion things. And, um, and those things, again, they happen every day. They happen all over the country. We just had one in Oceanside, uh, what, two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the homeowner actually shot, it was six, I think six people. Six came guys. In, and he shot and killed one of them. I don't know if he wounded another one, but, um, you know, you have to think about that kind of stuff because the whole the point of the article is to consider this stuff. And if you've got a home defense gun, because you'll hear a lot of homeowners, yeah, my home defense gun is this or it's that. Okay, do you have a home defense plan to go with your gun? Um, for instance, because like in my house, you know, I think I mentioned in the article, if someone were to kick in through the front door, say in the middle of the night, I'd have probably less than five seconds before they'd be in the bedroom. Um, because it's just how my house is laid out. You know, if they come in, assuming they can see where they're going, you know, it's 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 going to take a second to look and see the hallway and about three seconds to get down the hallway, and, and they're going to be there. So that's about how much time I'll have from the crash to I have a gun and a flashlight right next to me, but, I mean, that's still really quick to figure out what you're going to do. Um, and Don't in you my have a house, pug? I do, and that's what's going to wake me up probably because I probably won't hear the door crashing. No. And I'll hear the pugs barking. And the pug will go down there and bite the guy. But Yeah, the burglar had interesting things to say about dogs too. Yeah, so, I bet he uh, did. <laughs> a pug kind of looks like a burglar. Yeah, know? he does. <laughs> a little flat-nosed crook. they got to be careful. That's true. That's true. So, um, But anyway, you should, you should have a plan there. And, uh, you know, the plan's different for everybody. I didn't, I didn't suggest a plan. I suggested people think about it and mm-hmm. figure out a plan because – like in my house, my kids are grown, so it's just my wife and I. So what I have to do is different. You know, if you've got young kids in the house or they're in another bedroom, or if you've got uh, maybe elderly parents that live with you, you've got other people to think about in the house. So your plan's going to be a little bit different. Because, you know, for me, for my plan is, uh, you know, I'm going to shut the bedroom door, wait there with the gun, and, and dial 911 or call 911. Because uh, I don't have to go anyplace else in the house. You know, trying to clear a house... Uh, even the house that you know is extremely dangerous, especially by yourself. But even police, when they do it, you know, they do it as a team, and it's still dangerous for them. So if you don't have to go out there, you don't want to go out there. But again, um, you know, if you've got kids or something like that, you may not have a choice. You have to do that stuff. The um, the other thing is thinking about, okay, when is, uh, you know, like what what is my um, what is my point where I don't go explore and I do call the police. Like with Michael, when you're, uh, you know, when the lamp crashed yeah. to the floor, okay, you're thinking, all right, do I go out there and look? Because you know yeah. that it's dangerous to do that if there's really somebody out there. Or call 911. Or do you call 911 and, and potentially you, look foolish? One <laughs> thing, uh, and I'm being totally serious, uh, it was, uh, I did a lot of things wrong, you know, according to experts, because I did go out and clear my house. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, I was, anyway, I'll just speak for myself. I, I, it was, there was a, a, an overwhelming uh, urge. Um, there's somebody in your house, and that's mm. it was very. It was a very personal, primal, you know. You've been violated. Yeah, that's not happening on my. You know what I mean? There was this. This. I don't want to say like a bravado, but there was. There was a. No, yeah, I think you was, can say that. It was a. This is. This is not happening. You're defending. So seeing that, you're defending your house. That's why I urge everybody to look at that because that happened to me a, a couple of years ago. I was there, and Nina wasn't home. And the pugs jumped up in the middle of the night, barking, leaped off of the bed, ran in, you know, toward the front door. I jumped up and ran right after them. And I, I get down there, 
I got no gun. I got no light. I got nothing. Oops. And they just, they just heard something, but, uh, you know, had that been somebody out there, that was, uh, you had to turn exactly around and run wrong. back. Yeah. So, uh, you got to think about this stuff. So anyway, the Mike's telling, uh, Dave that, uh, it's time I know, to sell I just something. let him go. So, yeah. well, it's a good discussion. That's why you know, I said but, I'm just letting you go. But because not... John subscribed, there's no reason why everybody else shouldn't be subscribed to uh, get a grip on Substack to read my stuff. Get a grip on Substack. There I'll, you I'll go. Subscribe. We there all subscribe, go. too, yeah. once I find it. <laughs> all right, let's take a look here. There's a whole lot more coming up. Subscribe. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96, AM 1170. The answer. Ian Harrison from our favorite gun magazine, Recoil, is next. But first, if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant, Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150. Or you can visit his website at DillonLawGP.com. All right. Jackson, how's the show so far? We doing good? Yep. He's staying awake. Is that a tomato or what do you got there? It's a persimmon. Persimmon. That's awesome. All right, so our next guest, uh, Ian, is from Recoil Magazine. Recoil Magazine is the best uh, firearm Second Amendment magazine in the industry, I think, ever. I'm, I, I just think it's the best uh, periodical ever. You can get a discount if you're a San Diego County Gun Owners or Orange County Gun Owners or Inland Empire Gun Owners member on Recoil Magazine, and you get a free subscription to Recoil Magazine if you are a 10-ring member to any of our three organizations. So, Ian, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, you guys are way too kind. Well, I, I I just love the magazine. I just think it's great. I I describe. I tell people it's like the GQ of uh, of gun magazines. <laughs> Trust me, when he's passionate, he's passionate. Yeah, except it's interesting. <laughs> GQ is not interesting. Recoil is really interesting, but the quality is is okay. amazing. I love Recoil magazine. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, we, we've got a really good team. And uh, it's a team that's been assembled over a number of years uh, to get people the, the content and the quality of content that they, they deserve. So we're, we're really proud of what we do. So how was the Thanks. NFT auction partnership with Chris Chang? How did that go? It went great. I think it surprised everybody. We kind of threw it out there and went, eh, you know, this is the first time it's ever been tried within the firearms community. But, you know, we always do things that haven't been tried before. And surprisingly, uh, I think we raised something like $31,000 for firearms rights organizations. That's awesome. I know we uh, Chris was down at, uh, at Gun Prom. He was at our Second Amendment celebration dinner promoting that. And there was a, a piece of that in, uh, in our, as one of the prizes as well. And our, John Dillon, our attorney, was, was there and, and, and won something. I didn't fully understand what he won, but he won something having to do with it. Did you make Gun Prom this year? Unfortunately not, I'm afraid. I, I couldn't make it this year. I had other engagements, but uh, hopefully next year. Yeah, next year. John Schwartzy was there. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, okay, so okay, so tell tell a little bit. So Recoil comes out every other month, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And you don't and just have... We also have... 
We also have Off Grid Magazine that comes out at the opposite month. And then we also have our concealed carry title called, uh, naturally enough, Concealment. Uh, and that comes out uh, four times a year right now. Excellent. And uh, the uh, so the most recent, what we, we a couple months ago, we interviewed uh, Bonnie Rotten, which was extremely interesting. And she was on her way to a competition where I understand she did really, really well. What's coming up in the next, what's the next big uh, article in, in Recoil Magazine that's coming out in the most recent issue? Uh, okay, we've got one that's just dropping, uh, and it goes on the shelves, I think, next week. Um, but on this one, we kind of went uh, and cast a BDI over what's available in the bolt gun market right now and what you can do in order to build pretty much the ultimate off-the-shelf bolt gun uh, using components that you can go and you know, readily get hold of and then put that together and really just take it out and put it through the ring. Well, any old bolt gun, or are we talking hunting or precision, or what was the emphasis? Uh, it's exactly it's, it's a, the do all, all bolt gun, the one gun to rule them all. And so, if you want <laughs> wow. to go shoot a PRS match, if you want to go hunting with it, if you want to, um, you know, just take it out plinking in the desert, if you want to, you know, pretty much anything you can think of as a bolt action rifle that you can do, other than you know, so it's twenty two competitions, um, then that's the one we've gone for. And uh, we kind of went for an unusual caliber as well because, because well, why not? Everybody likes cartridge nerdery. So we had chambered it in 284 Shaheen. Um, and yep, I know everybody going, what the hell is 284 Shaheen? <laughs> yeah, really. But um, uh, find the, read the magazine, find out, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you'll be a convert. Wow, really? Where do, I mean, do you, can you even find that, or is that something you have to load yourself, or where, where do you find that? Yeah, color? it's pretty much a hand loading only proposition at this point. But hopefully, um, if anybody gets on the on the bandwagon with this, and maybe we can make something happen, maybe we can get a cartridge manufacturer to list it as a stock cartridge. That's awesome. So what? What? Tell, tell us a little bit. What made you just? What made you go towards uh, an article on on building uh, bolt guns? Um, we've done, uh, this year, we've, we've done a lot of articles and a lot of work on, on semi-autos and, um, and, uh, we decided it was bolt guns was time. It was time to, uh, you know, we deep dived into that arena and, uh, gave some people, uh, food for thought as to what can be actually achieved with it. And, um, you know, bolt guns are not restricted with regards to magazine capacity. Um, it's, you know, it's 50 state legal. And yet we were plinging steel with it at 1,400 yards. Um, 1,400 yards. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty capable. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it kind of feels like like we went through this big AR surge that lasted like 20 years, it seems like. Um, and, uh, you know, we've kind of it, – it feels like we're right on the edge of uh, possibly going through a, uh, a surge in popularity of bolt guns. And, and this article maybe mm -hmm. – uh, confirms that feeling a little bit are you guys getting a lot of uh you know feedback a lot of interest and in, you know does it am i right does it feel like we're going into a a bolt, a bolt action uh uh phase i uh, i don't i don't know whether it's um it's a bolt action phase per se but there's certainly a, a lot more interest in in running precision rifles now especially with the prs and nrl and the popularity of those competitions. So I think I don't th I don't think it's a surge. I think it never really went away. Maybe it was an eclipse. Uh, it was drowned out a little bit with uh, with ARs, but yeah, I don't think it ever really dissipated. Who's got a bolt action here, Jody? You, what do you got, Dustin? I got a weather boot, but yeah. Oh, you got to get another. 
I got a Weatherby 30 out six. Wow. There's nothing that's right. high quality and classic right there. What do you yeah. use it for? Uh, that is my hunting rifle. What do you hunt with it? Anything. Uh, anything. <laughs> Any, I mean, 30 out six, you know, that is that, that, that round you can go hunt anything that's with. That's the ultimate. Yeah. So 30 out six guys are so arrogant. <laughs> Aren't they? They just like anything. I can do anything with my 30 out six. I wouldn't call it arrogant. We just know <laughs> we just know how to choose our weapons wisely, you know. <laughs> He's also got seven hundred horsepower under the hood of his car. What do you want to bet? Yeah. I, well, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 Prius. Yeah. Oh. Prius. Oh. Oh. I had to go there. You had oh. to throw me under the bus like that. But my Prius identifies as a Jeep. There so. you go. There you go. See that. That's so funny. <laughs> so I'm actually it's interesting because I'm in the market for a bolt action. I got to give my bolt action up. I have a Remington 30S Express in 30 at six, um, and uh, but it was a hand me down from my dad. He got it from his uncle, and now I'm giving it to my nephew. I don't have any kids, and so I'm passing it off to my nephew so that he gets it. So now I'm in the market for a uh, for a bolt action. So your your article came out at a, at, a, at the perfect time. Well, there you go. Thank you on the post again. That's the whole idea of the magazine, right? Come, exactly. Coming out at the perfect time. Jackson, you have a bolt action? Yes. What do you have? A 338 Lapua. A 338 Lapua? That's like, you're like the same size as a 338 Lapua. Taller than me. Right? That's, oh, wow, that's amazing. Do you shoot it a lot? Not that often anymore because I'm because I'm now currently shooting 9mm. Yeah, your your Glock, you shoot your Glock more often, but you have a bolt action. That's awesome, man. That's very cool. Are you gonna check out Recoil's magazine or Recoil's article on the on the bolt action? Hey, hey Ian, this guy's eight years old. Just want you to know. <laughs> eight. You shooting a three thirty eight Ultra? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Write that one down. <laughs> and he, he shoots more uh, often than cool. I, he, I think he shoots more often than anybody in this room yeah. too. Every Wednesday he goes to Glock store and shoots his uh his nine millimeter Glock and he's really, really good. He's and he's awesome. eight years old yeah and we're yeah, not going to make you mad ahead of him. yeah action jackson so <laughs> so i'm glad that the article came out perfectly now where do people find i suggest if you're listening to us go to orangecountygunowners.com go to inlandempiregunowners.com go to san diego county gunowners.com and get a subscription to recoil magazine through us um and you guys we have a really great partnership you guys have done a a, a fantastic job um, it's just you just are basically just offering a discount. We don't I don't we don't get a kickback or anything like that. We're just we want more and more people to uh, get the magazine to get the magazine because it's right. so good. But if they're if they're listening, maybe they don't live in Southern California. Maybe they're picking up the show somewhere else. Where where will people find Recoil Magazine uh, most often? Uh, most often, Barnes and Noble or Walmart, StockIt, um, and then any of the uh, the Hook and Bullet mag um, uh, stores. Uh, they should have it on the shelves also. Uh, one place you're not going to find it, however, is your local Kroger because uh, about 18 months ago they came to us and said, hey, we need to see what you, have, you, you guys are going to be putting on the cover because we want to be able to censor it before you put it out. And oh, so we said, mm, nah, nah, yeah. that, that doesn't fly with us, sorry. Uh, and so that relationship founded. That's good. I never liked Kroger anyway. Hey, uh, do you do online? Yes, absolutely. You can order it online. Uh, from our website, from uh, from recallweb.com. Uh -huh. uh, and you can also pick up a digital subscription if you don't want ah. to flick through the paper magazine. Yeah. Very Awesome. Good. Well, I'm a big fan. I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, Keep up and, the good work. Yeah, you sure. and Mark and, and 
John and, and your whole crew. Uh, I just think it's the best magazine out there. Oh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and take a break right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right. So, hey, going to get some WD-40 for your elbows are it's really like old time radio creak. that's what that is that's what that is hey we're really proud to partner with the national seal carry association as a 10 ring partner NCCA exists to serve the second amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2a advocates they offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and they provide rock bottom prices at the best selections of gear and accessories so join them today Members get great prices, free shipping. You can learn a whole lot more. Just go to National Concealed Carry Association.com. 2A Abacus. Is that what you said? Ab- advocates. Oh, advocates. That makes more sense. It's a big word. <laughs> I know. It's like, what's a 2A Abacus? It's like an abacus. It's you know, like with an that abacus, little thing that you. Yeah, but it's got with? little bullets rather than right. little beads on exactly. it. Exactly. I like the way you roll. <laughs> so, Desi. Hi, Mike. How's not me? Not Me has been taking off over the last few months, and we are booming right now. We'll talk about it. Tell us more about it. Of course. So Not Me SD, for those of you listeners that don't know, it's our program founded for women by women, and we help ladies in three specific areas. So we help women pick out a firearm for the first time. We help them get in touch with local trainers to get firearms instructions, and we also help ladies get their CCW, which is your concealed weapons permit, for those of you that don't know what that is. Um, so it's a great program, and right now we're at about 550 applicants, Mike. It's a awesome. lot of ladies that have been reaching out to us. And out of those 550, 500 have actually graduated through the program. That's awesome. So that means that we've helped 500 women get a firearm for the first time. We've helped them get their CCW or helped them get you know firearms training, which is awesome. Now, the great thing about the program is it's all volunteers, right? So we have roughly 15 to 20 ambassadors that I pair with these amazing ladies, and they are just as passionate about the program as I am. Now, one of the other great things is we love to help promote our local firearms instructors and other local organizations that are local to us, of course. So a couple of weeks ago, Joe and I actually partnered together for Not Me SD, and we did a special training that was around situational awareness and pepper spray. Right, Joe? Yes, so we had a great training. We had about, what, 20 women there? We had 20 women. And a husband. We had a husband. We had a husband there. Yeah, that was kind of funny. He, he wanted to stay because he didn't want to leave his wife there by herself, so we let him stay to kind of listen in and help out, too, so that was really fun. He didn't trust Joe. He he didn't trust Joe no, with they, his wife. They actually <laughs> turned out to be great because they were the first two that walked in, and they, they were elderly, which is older than me. That's why I say elderly. Um, <laughs> But it was funny as they were walking up, you know, I, I greeted them and I didn't get any response. And I said, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then they, they get closer. And then the, the lady saying that, um, you know, she didn't uh, bring her hearing aid, so she's not be able to hear. And, and then her husband said, you know, and they're, they're trying to look at the handouts and they're struggling with the, with the handouts. They're saying, yeah, we didn't bring our glasses. And, uh, but they turned out to be great. They, they were really uh, into it. They got a lot out of it. 
How yeah. could they hear? And, um, <laughs> they, Joe spoke they, very they were, loudly. <laughs> yeah, they were better than they they let on. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, what's also really interesting too, Joe, is we had a lot of mother daughter yeah, pairs that were say. there, which was really interesting. And Joe, do you want to talk a little bit about the class and kind of like what we went over with the group? Yeah. So what we have is it's a it's a two hour class that we did, and probably the first hour or so is uh, situational awareness, yeah. um, avoiding situations, because that's the whole thing. Um, even, you know, and it's the same kind of stuff we talk about with concealed carry classes. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, much better to avoid the problem than to have to actually have to do something. So, um, you know, so we talked about just uh, what criminals look for, how to spot things. Because um, what John Correa always says, and I always repeat this. Love is, John Correa. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's uh, he says awareness buys you time, time buys you options. So the sooner you could pick up that ooh, something might be wrong here the more options you have uh, because criminals have to get close to you to hurt you and and that's a real specific way that they do that and it it is not normal and if you're watching you'll notice that kind of stuff and um, so we talk a lot about that kind of stuff um, how to avoid those things you know what to do what you can do before it becomes a problem and then we went through a pepper spray demonstration. If it that does become a problem, that was a lot of fun too. And we got to pepper. Well, they were isn't pepper spray guys. So we had these little water canisters from Palm Pepper Spray that they actually donated to us. So thank you to them. Um, but we got to kind of demonstrate on each other and practice using these little water testers. And you know, Adam from USCCA he was yeah. also co-hosting this training with us, which was awesome. Um, so I got to get him with the water. That was really fun. But, Joe, one thing I thought was really interesting is when you talked about the curriculum and you talked about being situationally aware, right, you talk about everybody being on their cell phone these days, right? And I just remember when you said that, you see all of the moms look at the daughters and all of the daughters are, like, <laughs> yeah, on their right. cell phones because they're never paying attention in public because they're always glued to their phones. And I thought that was really funny. But a lot of these daughters are going off to college next year, and so these moms that – a lot of them are my ambassadors, right? Because they want their daughters to learn. So that way, whenever they do go off to college, they can be more protective of themselves, right? Yeah. And um, and again, it's funny with the, the cell phones because they're, they're multitasking, which is one of the great myths of our uh, society. We cannot multitask, no, we right? Cannot. We are not good at that. <laughs> as much as us ladies would love to say that we're good at multitasking, which are better than you men, I'm just going to say that. But, you know, it's, it's something that we can't do very well, especially when you're in a public situation when things can happen, right? Like you think about putting groceries in your car. Like a lot of these muggings that can happen – and females, you know, we're a little bit of an easier target in a lot of guys' eyes. So that's when it can happen is when you're going into your house, you're getting into your car, right? So for me personally, too, I really have been a lot more aware of, like, where, what I'm doing, where am I at, right? So that way, in case something happens, and I always have my little canister of pepper spray in my hand. So if something happens and I don't have my firearm with me, you know, I can protect myself. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I always promote uh, John Korea's uh, active self-protection um, site, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, just because John's video, you know, John does a video every day and he breaks them down, he critiques them. Yep. And one of the surprising things, or one of the things I learned, I mean, it's some of the greatest free training that you can find anywhere. And uh, the videos are short. They're five to ten minutes long usually. And um, what's interesting is how quickly it goes from everything is normal to very dangerous. Bad. How fast uh, predators can be. And a lot of these things happen, like you were saying, right, you know, getting gas uh, you know, in a, in a gas station, uh, in the driveway of your house, because people aren't thinking about that. There, uh, a lot of them happen in the middle of the day, and you, you know, most people just aren't thinking about that kind of stuff. And you know, predators are real quick. I mean, they, this is what they do. 
It's what they do for a living. Happens in a blink of an eye. Yeah. So again, the more aware you are, the more options you've got. And, uh, and yes, yeah, it's, it's a great training, but our training was great too. Oh, I loved it. We had so <laughs> much fun. And one thing I love about the Not Me SD program, of course, we specialize in helping women with firearms, right? Like that's what we're here for. But over the last year, like I've really tried to expand the program and we like to, again, help promote other forms of self-defense. So, you know, working with, you know, the situational awareness, this is the second time we've done this class with CCW USA. We've also helped promote Krav Maga classes, right? So we're really trying to help promote other forms of self-defense to make women empower themselves to be their own protector, right? And when we talk about upcoming classes, Joe, that I know you and I have kind of been discussing, we're talking about like if something does happen, like the first aid component, right? I think we're talking about doing a trauma class next, right? Yeah. So what what we've got here to offer, because um, we were also we want to do the uh, the situational awareness and the pepper spray, hopefully a couple of times a year. I think maybe once a quarter might be a good idea. And um, along with that, uh, we've got a four hour um, medical or first aid class, I guess, emergency stuff, and. You know, the first half of the class is the patient assessment thing, and we could do it either way. It's, it's actually two classes, and we could do either or. Um, but it's uh, the first uh, class, or one class might be patient assessment, just, you know, okay, you come on to something, what do you look at, what do you look for? And then the second half of it would be either trauma, uh, dealing with trauma or medical emergencies. And the idea with the class is, okay, what do you do between the time something happens and the time the cavalry gets there, the time the medics get there? Um, you know, if you're in the city, it may only be a couple of minutes unless there's mostly peaceful protesting or something going on. Um, but again, if you're out at the family cabin and Uncle Bob goes down on Thanksgiving, it could be half an hour, 45 minutes if, you know, somebody needs to know what to do. So that's kind of the, um, the gist of the classes. But, um, but yeah, they should be fun. Hopefully we can do a couple of those this year. How do they find out about your classes? They find out through me. So notmesd.com or .org, I'm sorry. We promote a lot of our different classes. So if any of the ladies are a part of the program, they get my monthly newsletters, and we talk about any upcoming courses and things like that that we have going on, which is great. Well, Brittany from the Motorsports Show got a pistol for Christmas early. Ooh. And she was so excited because she's definitely going to take come to the SD. Not uh, me, SD? Mm-hmm, not me, SD. Oh, that's she's awesome. very excited. I mean, I would love I'll, a gun for Christmas. I'll, <laughs> You have to tell Santa. How often do you I'll tell do Santa. the? Uh, how often do we do uh, uh, shooting socials for Not Me? So we do shooting socials every other month. And for those of you that don't know what a shooting social is, we pair experienced shooters with brand new shooters, and they get 50 rounds of ammo, which you guys know that's not cheap these days. Mm-hmm. They get eyes and ears and a target, and for two hours they get to basically shoot all those 50 rounds of ammo. Now, for those of experienced shooters, we could do 50 rounds of ammo in about five minutes. <laughs> but with new shooters, we're giving them an introduction to what firearms is and how to shoot, right? So we're going over the stance, how to hold it. And then these mentors are taking their time and walking them through the step, um, step by step to get them familiar with the firearms. Now, some of these women that come through our program that do these shooting socials can be very scared and very timid, of course. But all of our mentors are amazing and they're very patient. And they love teaching these women how to shoot. Now, this is not a substitution, of course, for actual training, Mm-mm. but it's a great way for women. An entry. It's an entry, right. It's in a great way to learn the basics to see if this is something that they would be interested in or if it's something that, you know, might scare them too much because firearms can be very intimidating for those that don't know how to use them. Right. And they're loud. They're, they make a bang, right? But the <laughs> thing about what I like about your program is – you don't have to go alone if you're concerned. You can take your sister. You can take your mother. 
you can take your best friend, whatever the case may be, and go with somebody if you have that fear. Of course. If not your ambassadors fills that void the minute they walk in the door. Well, and anytime these ladies apply through the Not Me SD program, they get an ambassador assigned to them. Right. And, and that ambassador, again, they're very passionate. They love to teach. You know, they're volunteers. And so they, they're just there to help guide them through this process, whether that be to help them at a shooting social and teach them how to shoot. I mean, Dave, a lot of these women that come to us come either because they just want a gun for the first time, right? right? And they're not like you and I where we have a, a room full of gun lovers. Right. Right. Others right. that come to us have been victims of domestic violence or sexual assault and kind of like how we're talking about the mental trauma that, you know, people mm. go through. Well, and the, women do too. These situations can definitely impact their mentality for the rest of their life, but not me SD. We help empower women to be their own protector. We help kind of give them the confidence that if something were to happen again, that they have another tool in their tool belt. And these ladies help make ripple effects in these women's lives for the rest of their life because we're helping empower right. them to take care of their own safety because you never know. It could happen again. Like What what if somebody out there wants to be an ambassador? They can reach out to me directly or just go to notmesd.org. Do you have room for more ambassadors? I always am taking on new ambassadors. I love these ladies. They become yeah. my sisters because sure. they're so passionate. And we do special trainings for the ambassadors You're every other month. You're just trying to get a gun for Christmas. Don't I would love a gun for Christmas. I'm trying to tell Santa I want well, one. Well, you're surrounding yourself with all your little elves. All and right. We're going to take a quick break. This has been fun. Don't go anywhere. The most famous segment on the planet, Sam the Gunman. We're going to try to... Stump that kid one more time right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, you know, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. So let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. You can help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things that you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, podcast, or whatever way you listen to the show. Two, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost our show and puts us in front of a whole lot more people. And what watch you got there, Dave? That is a Roland Sands, and you probably don't know Roland. But I don't, but it's a cool-looking watch. Yeah, he's a custom motorcycle builder. So this is from a vintage uh, Harley-Davidson, and the band is made from, like, a leather jacket that just keeps changing. Huh. Are That's you a watch good. person? I kind of, Not really. Kind I of love a little watches. Bit, but I looked over there, and it, it really stands out. It's very cool. I love this watch. Ah, you're, I, a, you're a stylish guy. So I, I always I always look for... Listen to look you. To, I look to, yeah. If somebody you know, gives cues, it to me, I, I mean, <laughs> from you, just you know, what should I be wearing? Yeah, what should I be wearing? Yeah. Uh, right. What are we doing? I okay, I think we're going to stump somebody. Jackson, you ready to stump somebody? Yep. Have you been practicing all uh, all segment on your question here? Yeah, it's a real yep. small. Yeah, it's yeah. a real easy question. All right, cool. Is it? An, it's an easy question. Well, I'm not just this. It's small. It's just as what is. I mean, yeah, it's all not. Right. All right. Okay. Nothing's easy on this show. So this uh, this segment is stump my nephew Sam the gunman is my nephew. He's 22 years old. He's been my nephew for well 22 years. So uh, he, we found out a couple years ago that he is a uh, he's really good at uh, just getting ready. He is, was, no, is he here? Did you say hello? Oh, are you here, Sam? 
Yeah, how are you guys? <laughs> yeah, I never, help. We've been, it always helps if we find out if yeah, he's here. Make for, sure he's on there. Uh, but I, I can never. I, I got to pick the right word to figure out. We've what have we tried? We tried mensch. We've tried uh, expert. I don't know. We've tried all these words. We can't. How about just very knowledgeable? Indescribably good. Yeah. At, at, yeah. Uh, he's very knowledgeable there, about a candy his bar craft. That uses that though, isn't there? <laughs> what? Which one? The indescribably good. Indescribably good. Yeah, I, I think know. there is one. That's a good one. Hey, we had. Uh, by the way, we interviewed Ashley uh, Leblinsky. Did I say that name right? Yeah. Earlier um, in the show. Did you hear it? Yeah, that that's really cool. Was this uh, tonight? Yep. Yeah, you have to listen. Man, to I'll, once this goes up on YouTube, I'll have to I'll have to go back and listen to it. She's uh, really influential and important. Yep. YouTube.com slash go. It was radio. a great it was a great interview, by the way. Yep. Okay, so here's where we, if you send in a question and we read it on the air, you get a hat or a shirt. Um, if you stump my nephew. Then you get a lifetime of training from Front Sight and, uh, in Pahrump, Nevada. So, without further ado, we're going to have Action Jackson read the question. Who's the, who's the question from, Jackson? Brandon from Los Angeles. All right, Brandon from Los Angeles. Not, not, Let, that, not that Brandon. Not Let's Go Brandon, but a whole other <laughs> That would have been from D.C. Can you imagine being named Brandon right now? We have a board op. Oh, that's right. Wait, no, that's he's Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, it's Brandon. but it's still, it doesn't Close make. enough. Yeah, it's All close right. enough. Okay, um, is he here? Is Brendan here today? He got, got married. He got married yesterday, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, congratulations. If you're listening, so Brendan. So he said he's hung over and he wasn't going to be able to make it in, and they're going to do their honeymoon later down the road. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. I well, told him there was no excuse. He should be here. That's but. right. It's Gun Owners Radio. That's right. All right, my friend, Brandon, Brandon from Los Angeles. What did, what, did he, what did he want to know? What is a Mossberg 410 repeater? Uh, thanks for writing in, Brandon. Um, sorry you have to live in Los Angeles, but um, I, I guess someone's got to do it. Uh, Mossberg 410 repeater. I don't know if um, there's a specific model of theirs called that, but a repeater um, in general refers to any firearm which has the capacity to store ammunition inside it, outside the chamber, if that makes any sense. So um, anything with, with a magazine, either internal or removable, um, that you can cycle through without having to manually load each round after you fire it would be um, a repeater. And Mossberg does make a variety of shotguns in 410. I, so here, the answer they have provided, and I'll be honest, we didn't do a whole lot. Our, our research department was off this week, um, so we're going to rely on what they said. But it, they said, uh, that's Brandon from Los Angeles, says that a – the 410 Model G bolt-action repeater was Mossberg's first bolt-action shotgun released in 1933. Originally advertised for $10, this firearm had just over 40 parts and could be made cheaply since the steel of the barrel could be soft due to the low pressures of shotgun shells. Unlike many early pump-action guns that could bind up, the bolt provided almost no chance of failure to feed or eject. Mossberg continued to sell Pump action shotguns until they stopped producing the uh, until they stopped producing the model six ninety five in two thousand three. Okay, so he didn't miss this question because the question wasn't involved enough. All it says was what was a Mossberg repeater, and he did tell us the fourth repeater. Yeah, I don't know. He didn't really get into the nut. He I, he wasn't asked 
about the history and I don't think I knew I knew what a repeater was, but I don't think I knew that was the specific definition. Yeah, so I, I think we got to give did him you a know pass. That that was the I think definition? we can call this one a draw. A draw. Yeah, okay, I'd give you a pass. On so it. you're like four hundred twenty nine five and one. Is that your record now? Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't keep track. But um, we it, are on episode two seventy eight. Uh, oh. Both action shotguns are pretty interesting. You don't see them a lot these days, but they used to be fairly popular many decades ago, um, especially in a lot of European countries where civilian ownership of rifles was heavily restricted, but there were a whole bunch of military surplus rifles lying around. Um, various countries, you'd see these being converted into bolt action shotguns, like in uh, Russia, for example. It's really hard to own a rifle but it's comparatively easy to own a shotgun. So you'll see uh, mostly Nagant actions rechambered for something like 410 um, and modified to accept shotgun shells. Jackson, tell uh, Sam what your what your bolt action is again. A 338 Lapua. Lapua. A 338 Lapua. This kid's eight years old. He's got a round. I know, right? <laughs> Like, you know, I I guess, you know, just in case he needs to take out a semi-truck. Yep. How far back do you go <laughs> when you fire it? Do you bounce off the back wall? Nope. What do you mean, no? <laughs> you have a put a pillow on your butt so when you fall down it won't uh, hurt? <laughs> nope. No, no, no So, pillow. Sam, what's the advantage? Why, it it kind of goes into it a little bit, but why would I buy a bolt-action shotgun? Is that a good idea, or has it pretty much been, uh, you know, are we, you know, we've out-designed that. We don't need to do that anymore. Well, these days, pump-action shotguns are very reliable, and the manufacturers have gotten really good at making them, um, especially at a low price point. But in the days when um, there was still a lot of experimentation going on with firearm actions and the metallurgy wasn't anywhere near as good as it is today, um, it may have been easier to design a strong bolt action uh, that would withstand the, the necessary mechanical stresses uh, rather than a strong and reliable pump action. So uh, there are various different reasons. You know, everything's a trade-off. Um, does, does anybody make a bolt-action? Um, I'm not aware of one. Shoddy, like a modern one? Yeah. Sure. I'm sure there are some out there. Uh, I just couldn't, couldn't Not in your you store, like, anyway. Make skeet harder. <laughs> Get yeah. shooting skeet with a bolt-action. Yeah, that, well, I would that, would, just... that would not be a fun time. Yeah. I love my Mossberg 500. I got to tell That's you, it's a pump action. I just love it. I love that. We thing. had the we, we had our demonstration. Did that go over well at the Not Me uh, uh, shooting social yesterday? It did. All the girls had a lot of fun shooting your shotgun. Yeah, there you go. Did they clean it? No, they left that up to me. Oh, you're going to put it in the sink? Yeah. With the soap? I just take it in the shower with me. <laughs> put a little cap on the end yeah. of the barrel. And oh, why bother? You got to clean the barrel. You got to go down inside. Yeah. I mean, my typical uh, bath soap of, is hoppy. A anyway. little bit of dove down the barrel. A little dove down the barrel. <laughs> well, I, yeah, right? It's a shotgun, right? <laughs> no, I was it's just thinking, you know. Made hello. for dove. Since you've never shot one. That is amazing. That's ridiculous, Jackson, isn't it? That's silly. Well, I think you did a good job, Sam, no matter yep. what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I, we'll, we'll call it a draw. We'll call it a draw with an emphasis towards you got it right. How about that? We'll just tell tell the tell Brandon he has to That's like a drop expand his question. That's right. It's a draw plus. How about that? You got it. All right, man. Thanks, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always. All right. Now we're gonna do a, a quick you don't know Jack, son. How about that? Our new segment where we talk Streak. to Jackson. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, man. So what did you work on last week? Did you go shooting on Wednesday? As he looks at his yeah. mom and dad. Yeah. Well, and, you, and how did how did you do? Did you have fun? Yes. Yeah. Did you hit the target? Yep. Did you do a good job of hitting the target? Yeah. But you always do, right? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. How much? What got you to the the three thirty eight Lapua? Did you did you just ask Santa Claus for that or? Uh, yes. You just asked Santa Claus Claus for a three thirty eight Lapua. Yes. Most kids want erector sets. I'm a little jealous. Can I uh, go shooting with you sometime? Yep. <laughs> you'll, you'll, he'll bring the coffee. Do you drink coffee? No, no but I no. do drink Red Phantom. Red oh. Phantom? What is or, Red? Or, or, sorry, Fanta. Oh, oh, Fanta. Okay. All right. All oh. right. Now, Dustin, have you experimented with a Fanta-flavored coffee? Because that might... <laughs> No, no, not a Fanta flavored coffee. He's still <laughs> thinking about branding coffee. That's listen, <laughs> we, <laughs> we got your first customer, just in case that. Yeah, comes right. Out. Yeah, you want to be my taste tester on that one? Oh my gosh, can you see this little guy go bouncing around? Because yes. I'm sure your octane is quite high. <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to fall asleep drinking your coffee. No, no, absolutely not. Especially the it, one that called uh, the grenade. Red Sea. I call it military coffee. Oh, yeah. Black yeah. sludge. Well, you gotta you gotta stay awake. You know, you the grenade. Why do you call it the grenade? Is it because it? It's it's very highly caffeinated. <laughs> highly, matter of fact, it was so highly caffeinated that I dumbed it down uh, and diluted it with other great coffee because it was just it made me bounce off the wall. I got high off of coffee. Wow. Yeah. All right, folks. Hey, you need to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, or YouTube, whatever your favorite flavor is, and please support all our great sponsors. San Diego County Gun Owner, U.S. Law Shield, Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Scott Benson, Coldwell Banker Royalty Realty, Sage Tree Web Development, National Concealed Carry Association, our newest partner, American Shooters and Elkhorn, thanks to De- uh, Joe Dramisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, and of course, Chris in the Box, and Action Jackson. This is FAM. Oh, and Desi, the cutest girl in the building. And this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer.